I know this is not an advice podcast. Um, yes, it is. Focus on <laughs> issues of depression. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like, did nobody... Well, you said it oh, at the beginning. <laughs> you gotta let me finish. Welcome to Love in Brief, a brief ABDL advice podcast focused on issues of love. Love for yourself. Mm-hmm. Love for others. Of course. Love for your community. Yeah. Love for your puppers and kitties. Yeah. I know I've, I've kind of shit on cats a little bit on this podcast, but if you're a cat lover, God love you. You did what to cats? Well, I didn't literally shit on them. I've just been sort of t- taking the piss out of them. Why are all the cat, why are all the cat references scatological? I don't know. Anyway, um, we just, we have 538 electoral votes worth of love every two weeks on this podcast. And we're thrilled to be able to bring you a topic that we've been thinking about for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And frankly, one that I think applies to many, many people, but it takes a very special person to have the candor and the wisdom and even the humility to talk about uh, because it can be really difficult. We're going to talk, uh, this is just a little bit of a, a warning. If you're somebody who suffers with depression, uh, this is an episode where we're going to talk a lot about depression. And we certainly don't want to um, exacerbate any issues with depression that you have. So just so you know, um, that's what this episode is going to be about. And if we do have any um, particular content warnings, we will absolutely throw them in before that content comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, but depression is really, really common, and it shows up in a million different ways. And it, there's a very wide spectrum Especially this year, a lot of people I know who haven't experienced depression on a large scale um, prior to 2020, last year, mm-hmm. um, have experienced it for the first time within the last year in a real yep. way. Yeah, this year was the first year that I ever took medication for depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say my experience of it was pretty mild on the whole, but but it was there and impactful. Um, and, it, and it ranges all the way from, you know, mild sort of seasonal or situational depression all the way through to really chronic depression and can be quite debilitating and um, everywhere in between. So suffice it to say that our goal is not to speak for every kind of depression. Our goal is to speak to our experience and one other person's experience with it and potentially look at where the overlap happens with uh, an ABDL kink. Fair? Fair. And we're so glad to have him. I agree. So we're going to welcome to our podcast, our friend Diapers and Brews. You may know Diapers and Brews from FetLife or more recently from Instagram, which is a new uh, endeavor for you. Isn't it Diapers and Brews? 24 hours ago. I don't know. Something like that. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, how's it going oh, so far? He's an Insta baby. <laughs> <laughs> so far, have you found it rewarding? Yeah, it, not bad. You know, I'm I'm getting in there. Yeah. Um, couple followers, but I'll be sure to follow a certain uh, profile. You know, after this is all. Well, we wouldn't do that. Well, <laughs> and I've I've also noted, by the way, that a bunch of folks I know have are leaving Instagram to go to Twitter, which I just have so far refused to do because I don't want to start over. Um, so maybe, you know, this thing will be outdated by the time it goes out, you know, tomorrow or whatever, but, um, remember, remember but the now, days of Instagram? Cool. Oh yeah. Remember, remember Instagram guys? It was like MySpace. Uh, back in my day. It's like it was yesterday. Yeah. I remember jumping ship on Tumblr and then realizing Tumblr was actually still pretty cool and it was just a temporary thing and then going back to Tumblr. So maybe Instagram will be the same way. I've always liked, I mean, Instagram's been around for ages. Yeah. I like it. 
I hope it sticks around. It sort works. of. But it's also it's owned. square. It's got all the square pictures. I know, but it's owned by Facebook, and that creeps me out. And anyway, let's not worry about that for now. What I'm more worried about. This is now an Instagram podcast. <laughs> this is now a podcast about <laughs> Everybody the future throw away of your Instagram. Notes. <laughs> We're talking about Instagram. <laughs> like and subscribe, guys. Um, <laughs> I do want to ask you, Diapers and Brews, tell us a little bit about your love. So I think uh, I will describe my love in two different ways. Um, one taking a more, it will sound rough on the surface, but I assure you there's more to it. Um, my love could probably be described as that sort of ending scene in Monsters Inc. where you see Boo's door, uh, being rebuilt and all the, all the wooden pieces are put back together. And Mike says, you know, it took a lot of work and, you look at his hands, his hands are all beat up and, you know, splintered and everything like that because the, the door went through the door shredder. And that has been, for me, a situation where, you know, I've had a lot of instances in the past where uh, it's been beaten down, broken, you could say shredded. Um, it's been rough. And I've had a long road to rebuild and rebuild that door. That is my love. Um, and as you know, the that scene in Monsters, Inc. is the door doesn't turn back on until you have all the pieces. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm still looking for that final piece to finally turn my love back on and uh, devote it to somebody who I can call my own and who I can spend the rest of my life with, start a family, enjoy whatever, yada, yada, yada. What a beautiful image. Oh my gosh, Diaries and Bruce, that was so poetic. It really was. So I say rough rough on the surface, but you know, it, it, it's getting there. It's it's something. So that is one. Oh, it's a lovely way to say that. Yeah. My, my second um, path um, of love, I would say, is my love for my friends. Um, my love for my new friends, including the two people that I'm talking to today. Um, so happy to be a new friend. <laughs> uh, love for many of the people who I consider close friends as coworkers, family, uh, just very close people. And uh, as our why so eloquently put it, love for my family's new pupper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and your, pup- your family's pupper. new pupper is absurd. If you took like a tiny fluffy lump of brown sugar and like then kissed just animated it, it with a dog nose, that would be yeah. it. It's just the cutest. They didn't, they didn't believe me that he was real, and I showed no. him, and it's like, wow. I, I literally real. thought it was a stuffed animal, like a teddy bear, he looks until like it started to a move. A stuffed animal yeah. that our child has. Yeah, he is fantastic and so cute. So this is a, it's it's a great I think um, entree into a discussion about a very difficult topic, which is depression, because I think there are a number of cultural myths about depression and how it works. And one of those myths is that depression is only for people who are alone or lonely or unable to find love in their world or around them. And it's just simply not true. I mean, you just listed some magnificent sources of love and those yet to be fulfilled. Uh, but that's not how depression really works. It's not just for people who don't have people. Depression is a is a much uh, more insidious animal. And I would love, if you don't mind, for you to share a bit about your experience with depression. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I do not speak as an expert here, but I, I hope that whatever my experiences uh, bring to the table can help even somebody, um, whether that's just to speak up, to say something, to seek help, um, whatever that may be. Just that's that's my biggest thing here is is to make sure that people know that it is okay and and you will be okay. Um, for me personally, it's it's taken on a lot of different shapes and forms. Um, one would immediately snap to RNT what you said, where you know this almost a year has been unbelievable. It's been ridiculous. Nobody's ever thought that our world would shut down and we would turn into home bodies and working from home bodies and you know, masks this and gloves that and hand sanitizer this and, and it's crazy. And to go from seeing people that you see on a normal basis every single day, whether that's coworkers, whether that's family, whether that's friends, to all of a sudden not knowing when you're going to see them again, to not knowing when you can go and visit them if they live somewhere else in relation to where you live to having to worry about you know the health and safety of all those people it is absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. and that is something that for me it's not a constant worry for me you know i don't stay up at night going oh no the pandemic um but for me i i definitely do worry about it every now and again when i see those figures from whether it's my state or my country and i worry and i fear for the people who are losing family members, friends, loved ones. You may have the people around you who say, yeah, I'm here for you. I can, I can help you. I, you know, if you need something, let me know. But you also sit there and and say to yourself, I still feel alone. Mm. And that sometimes is the hardest thing to admit because sometimes you feel guilty when you're like, you know, I have all these people who say that they're here for me but I still feel so alone and I still feel so isolated and so upset. And that's very, very tough sometimes to swallow, but um, it's, it's knowing that you're not alone. I'm glad you called out that point because it's tempting to think that, but well, um, if you have somebody saying, Hey, I'm here for you and whatever you need, that that's going to fix it. And certainly, you know, those folks are well-intended and how wonderful, but that doesn't fix depression because the sense of isolation can pervade and persist through that reality. Depression is not a light switch. You know, it's not something that, believe me, if it was a light switch, we would all be switching it off a lot quicker than we, than it switches back on. We'd, we'd have that light switch slammed in the off position. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's hard. You know, you have your days where you feel fantastic. You feel like depression who? You don't, you don't see it. You don't feel it. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, I mean, it's like a Mack truck right into your heart and it sucks. That's the only way to put it is it sucks. And it's, 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 so you never know what to expect with it. And you, you have to realize you come out a lot stronger from those depressive moments whatever they may be, whether it's a day, whether it's a week, whether it's a month, whether it's a very long time past that, 
when you get out of that funk, we should call it, we'll call it, you are stronger than where you were. I wonder if you would mind, um, you mentioned isolation and loneliness, and a little bit you mentioned guilt and worry. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing with us what, in a nutshell, um, depression means and is for you. Uh, I know um, RY said it's not just some easy to diagnose, easy to see rain cloud over someone. Um, it's individual and it, but what does it mean to you? What are the things that you feel whenever you're having a depressive episode, a funk? Yeah. Um, for me, I think it's that, like you said, that, uh, that isolation, that feeling of loneliness, that feeling of just sadness, I think for me, um, I like to think of my my brain as the Tasmanian devil, just constantly spinning and never stopping. And it's it's one thought after the other, after the other, after the other. And you wonder, like, why the hell am I thinking about these things? Why do these things come up? Why why does it just keep snowballing? And there's really no answer for it. Um, you overthink. You over worry. You get scared, you get nervous, those thoughts come into your head that terrify you. And I mean, um, I'm not the, the strong man that everybody thinks just hearing the melodious sound of my voice, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's hard. And, you know, there have been nights where you just, you're laying there and you're just crying and that's all you really can do. And sometimes it just, you you never expect it and it sneaks up on you and it hits you and you're just like, wow, they never realized my eyes could leak like this. And you're just sobbing and it's hard. Like you want someone there. You want someone to really scoop you up and just say, look, it's okay. Like you're going to be okay. And not having that person, you rely on yourself to, really self-care and aftercare and, and just and be there for yourself and make sure that whatever you're going through, you will get out of this hole and, and do better by it. And, you know, for me and if anyone's thinking, sheesh, what do I take out of this? You know, take this one single thing out of, out of what I say today is if you need help, seek out therapy. Mm. I cannot speak more highly about seeking out therapy, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's family troubles, whether it's kink related problems. Therapy has been without a shadow of a doubt, the best decision I think I've made in my adult life. And, and I say that confidently because where I was a couple months ago was very dark, very ominous and very scary. And in the few months that I've spoken with my therapist who she's aware of my kink, she is kink, um, friendly, uh, kink positive, sex positive, all that jazz. She has been a, a gift, a blessing. Mm. Um, I, I could not speak more highly of her and 
it is just reassuring to have that person there who not only says what she's feeling and is very honest with me, but listens, understands. She even kind of knows me and like in in other appointments, she's been like, yeah, I've noticed that you were like this last week and today you're like this and like blah, blah, blah. Like she's picking up on my mannerisms, but she just gets it and she gets me. And sometimes that's really all you need is somebody to get you. I think my experience has been very similar that therapy it, with a good therapist who, um, really fits you. So I'll say good means fits you. Um, and who can accept right where you are is irreplaceable. In fact, I just booked an appointment today with a, with a new therapist because I, I realized that, uh, during COVID times that my other, uh, therapist has sort of dropped off the map, wasn't really meeting the needs that I had. And so I thought, well, I can either kind of wallow in that reality or fix it. And one of the beautiful things about COVID times is that we've all gotten used to telehealth appointments. And so now I, I don't even know what state the person I'm going to meet with lives in, but I can tell you that he is kink positive and sex positive and that he happens to deal in stuff that I am uh, struggling with and all of those things. So awesome. Uh, you called out, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot packed in there and you called out a couple of features of your experience with depression that I want to call out. One is that in your experience of depression, there's also a connection to fear and your mind racing, which, you know, we might call anxiety. Um, but this notion of like your mind constantly telling you things that you should be afraid of or dreading. Did I hear that right? Yeah, no. And, and it's, it's a lot of the things that, you know, again, you, you say to yourself and you wonder, why am I thinking of this? But maybe your mind races to the worst case scenario or just something that you're like, wow, I, I never thought of that. That could be awful. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden you just you that's the only thing that you can think of right now. And you're worried sick about it. And you're just like, oh, great. There's a knot in my stomach right there that I wasn't expecting. And it's just it gets worse and worse. And how does that constant experience of mind racing, fear, you know, worst case scenario thinking, how does that contribute to your experience of depression? If I think of that as sort of an anxiety, how does that interplay with your experience of depression? I think you just fear the unknown. I think you fear, you fear it more maybe so than you normally would. I mean, nobody can predict the future. If we did, I think somebody would have won Powerball and Mega Millions in the same day. I, at this point, I think both are still active right now, so which means I have to go get a lottery ticket. Um, <laughs> I, I think it just you you start to worry and panic and get. I say worked up, but I don't mean that in a negative connotation. You get worked up about all these things that perhaps would never come to fruition or never happen, but you're so scared that they will, that perhaps they do happen or something worse happens. And and you just get like, you psych yourself out so badly and, Mm -hmm. and to the point where God forbid it becomes an out of body experience or you're just like sitting there, like not knowing what's, what's going to happen and and what is going to come next. I mean, you, you think mm. of all these, these thoughts racing 
And then out of left field, another one comes in. You're like, Jesus, where did this come from? Yeah. And and it just, the the snowball keeps growing bigger and bigger as it rolls down the mountain. And when we look at the, some of the more um, typical symptoms of depression as it can present um, in a, a clinical setting, you know, I've, I've read quite a bit on like folks who you know, might stay in bed for days at a time who are unable to get themselves up to brush teeth or take a shower or go to work, uh, really debilitating depression. And I do wonder if there's an element of, for you of like, you, you know, you have fight, flight and freeze. If this might be the freeze part, like with all these voices constantly questioning every horrible thing that might happen, if the link, the bridge between anxiety and depression could be that with all of these horrible things waiting at your doorstep, your best option is to not move. I won't get too into detail about it, but something I've, I've been recently going through, that freeze moment happened to me. You know, It was something that I never expected to happen. And all of a sudden it did, and all of a sudden... I was deer in the headlights and I went, shit, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. It, it's, it's very tough when, when that is the case. And, you know, I wish I had an answer for that one, but that's something that is, is sometimes just really hard to, to struggle through. Is having an ABDL kink, um, has it been helpful um, when you feel like you're struggling through a depressive episode or has it been something that exacerbates or even causes those moments? I wonder what role it's played in your either recovery or in your uh, tensest moments. I think you could probably look at it as a smorgasbord of all of that, all of what you just said. Um you have your moments when perhaps the adult life is really got you down for whatever reason. And the only thing that you want to do is just curl up and be little or, you know, curl up and chill in a diaper or whatever. And I've had those moments and they've been extremely helpful. I've had my moments where, you know, I'm dealing with such depression that little space, ABDL, diapers, they're the last thing I want to think about um, because I know it will make me feel worse. Is it something that you that is worse because it's just something else to worry about, something else to think about, or is it worse because um, you feel shame, or what makes it worse in those moments? I, I, think, I think there is some... Uh, shame connotation there. I think that that is one of them. Um, I also feel of it as a stopgap situation where it's like you have maybe a 10 minute gap where you feel great. And then after that, it's like, damn, it's back again. Like, and, and maybe you knew it was going to be a short term solution to this bigger long term problem. Um, but it, it was, it was such a, rush and then all of a sudden you hit that that wall and you're like damn like wish that had lasted maybe a little bit longer and a tiny bit more or something like that boy can i identify with that (laughs) i'll tell you what this is where i and i can't speak to his sort of chronic depression but in the periods where i have really leaned into my kink 
as a quick release, a quick relief. Uh, but I wasn't really reconciled with my kink. What would happen is exactly what you're describing. And I, I would think about it as sort of a, like a short phase binge and purge, except I never got around to the full purge where I would feel just generally shitty and shameful and bad. And then I would engage in, you know, diaper play of some kind solo. And then I would have this amazing moment of like, you know, release and climax and whatever it's going to be. And then I would spend the next like two hours just hating myself for reasons even I didn't understand. And that long term didn't solve much. But I will say short term got me out of some, (laughs) you know, pretty, pretty crummy spots. Yeah. The problem was that I kept sort of digging a little deeper each time. Right. And even though this would, would buoy me for a heartbeat, I would dig it just a little deeper for the next round of shame. When you know what you really need, I mean, sometimes maybe when you're in in a depressive funk, you're sitting there and you're going, I don't even know what I want. Like you, you think, you know that that's a way to cope, a way to help yourself release Um, or just let go of those tensions. If I already have a plan in mind or if I know, okay, I ain't feeling too great right now. If I go to my room, grab a diaper, grab a pacifier, throw on a movie on Disney+, Plus, I'm going to be okay. So healthy engagement is more intentional. Yeah, I I think that's more intentional where you have a clear cup plan in in mind and I mean that's not to say that the plan doesn't change and maybe your plan is going great and then something else triggers something and now all of a sudden you're off to the races in a good way not in that bad way but in a good way like push comes to shove and you go from movies to coloring or movies to some sort of game um and that feels good and you you start to feel a lot better about yourself and just more healthy like you were saying So it strikes me that in my own experience that there are some things which, you know, putting on a diaper and grabbing a pacifier and watching a Disney Plus movie, that really helps me feel something again and helps get that serotonin pumping for the first time in a while. But there are other things that require a different intervention, like calling a therapist or practicing a cognitive behavioral technique that I've learned or something like that. And I wonder if you could help Um, distinguish between moments for you where ABDL play has really hit the spot and moments where you really needed something different. So I think that's where you, you draw a little bit of the line in the sand between um, maybe kink and vanilla where maybe, maybe there is something that, you know, you are feeling that shame about this side of you. And after a little bit of, feeling down on yourself, you know, the purge without the purge, full purge, um, you, you realize, you know, I am okay. This is okay. I'm not hurting myself. I'm not hurting anybody. And I, I am me in my own skin and in my own space, whatever that space may be, ABDL, anything like that, any sort of space across the, the spectrums and so for something like that you really hone in on that and and you know what works um, or even if you don't even if you're 
starting out for the first time, you know, welcome to the party. We have cookies. Join us. And <laughs> try the coffee. It's pretty good. What kind of cookies? Uh, they're frosted. Are they frosted? Are EBDL cookies frosted? Oh, my God. Now we have to decide. And that's going to be it's a staple. chocolate chip, obviously. Oh, it was chocolate chip. Damn it. Mm-hmm. I was going to say gingerbread. Uh- <laughs> Fuck. Chocolate chip. But on the flip side, you look at the things where that that kind of uh, treatment experience, fun, doesn't fix the problem. And it can be a myriad of things, you know, work personal relationships, family, um, that's not, that stuff's not going to get fixed with a diaper. <laughs> I don't think if it does, somebody call me and let me know. Yeah, that'd um, be amazing. I don't think it I works think, that way. <laughs> I think those are the, those are the moments that really start to hit you deeper. And maybe the only thing that I could say would be if your kink is starting to wear on you, wear on your family in any sort of way, create issues that are being exacerbated and and exploding that would be the time to seek out that therapy treatment that would be that time to seek out that extra help Hmm. um if it helps you more power to you and i'm very happy that that it is you know there are things you can do for yourself that may work to sort of reintroduce the idea of even small amounts of joy into your life, right? Like, so man, if putting on a $2 diaper and popping in a pacifier and putting on Disney plus lifts your spirits, good God, go do that. Like it, you could not have a cheaper form of getting serotonin back in your brain than that. And also if it doesn't and nothing else does, and you feel like you're in danger or you feel like somebody else is in danger, or you just feel like you're going downhill. Don't wait until it's all the way at the bottom to seek out help. And you may not find that perfect therapist on the first go around. God knows I didn't. And I didn't find it in the second person. But you can, you deserve somebody who can help you and eventually can help you work through the work you can do uh, to pull yourself out of that depression. They can't do it for you, but you deserve somebody who can see you along that path. So don't take the first medication as the absolute. Don't take the first therapist as the absolute. Don't take the first therapy as the absolute. You can do the things that make you happy. Life is too goddamn short to skip the things that genuinely make you happy. And if you're not getting those things, you you can, I won't say should, because it's really, really energy intensive to do it. And I understand that, but you can continue to go find them. Before, um, before we let you go, I do want to ask you, um, if you could give advice and I know we've, we've really made it very clear that everybody's depression is very different and everybody's circumstances are so different, but if someone thinks that they might be experiencing depression and they share our kink and they're listening to this podcast and they can really, they could really use a couple of bits of advice or just encouragement. What, what do you think that you would tell them? First and foremost, whatever you are going through, 
please know you're okay. Um, you may not feel that way. It may sound hypocritical of me saying that and then realizing tomorrow I'm in a funk and I'm like, damn, I'm not okay, but you are okay. And it is okay to not be okay. Um, if you're not feeling it that day, that's, that's not the, the, the painted picture right there. You, you have more time. You have more days ahead of you. You have more good days ahead of you. You are okay. You will be okay. It's all right. Um, again, I, I stress because it's helped me immensely. Therapy is and can be a wonderful, wonderful thing. If you find that right person, if you find that right therapist, like ROI said, it may take one, two, three times a lady, but like you may find it. Um, and you know, your, your first instinct is going to be to hold it in, not to confide. If you feel comfortable, confide, give them everything that you can, because it only makes their job much easier to help you get through whatever you're getting through. Diapers and Brews, thank you so much for your vulnerability and your honesty and your eloquent speech, everything. Uh, this was wonderful, and we really appreciate mm -hmm. you taking the time to be with us and to speak so openly with us about um, something that can be really hard to talk about. Thank you both, you guys. I don't got to tell you guys twice because I keep gushing about you guys more and more and more and more. And I'm going to keep doing it, so screw it. Go yeah, exactly. On. You want to feed me into that. Um, I, I will say uh, two more things. It's just, again, thank you. And I, I hope that this helps somebody, anybody out there. Um, I will say this much, you know, um, around if you, you, you will link my profiles and everything like that. I'm sure if, if anybody is out there that needs somebody impartial or non-biased or whatever to talk to, you know, shoot me a message. I'd love to be able to help, you know, in any way, shape or form, or even if it's just to say hi, you know, that's even great too. That's really I, I kind. would, I would be more than happy to listen to whatever you have to say rather than Feeling like you can't go to anybody. You know, if you want to come to a complete stranger, I'm your stranger. Go for it. That's really kind. I'm your stranger. <laughs> that should be the title yeah, of this I podcast. Like I like it. I like that. Thank you so much. And I will say, if you're somebody who is really struggling and you need to talk to a counselor and you don't have insurance and you're not sure who to call, um, let me give you a phone number for a crisis hotline that could be really helpful. Uh, particularly if you are having suicidal ideation, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is one 800 273 8255 That's one 800 273-8255. There are people waiting to talk to you. It is confidential and you can um, share your needs and get help without fear uh, or exposure. That's 1-800-273-8255. Also, se habla espanol. That's 800-273-8255. And if you uh, want to follow up with them, you can call 24 hours a day. 
with um, any of those needs. This is just too important to um, to skip over. I'm grateful to you, Diapers and Brews. I'm certain this won't be our last conversation about the issue of depression. It's something that is near and dear to my heart. It's something I grew up with in my family. It's something that I've experienced in my own form in my own last 12 months. So thank you for opening the door to this conversation. And also, I'm just going to give a little plug. Diapers and Brews is one of our intrepid transcribers. (laughs) Everybody give them a hand. Oh, I love it. We have a a handful of folks who transcribe these podcasts because we know that not everybody uh, can listen to a podcast. Some folks read podcasts and some folks just do better when they read podcasts. Out of the goodness of their hearts. Yeah, for literally zero dollars ever. So thank you to our transcribers. And if you uh, would benefit from a transcription of this podcast, just go to transcripts.loveandbrief.com anytime. And uh, sometimes it takes a few days after we publish a podcast, but we're all caught up or very close to it. And we're going to keep working on that because we think accessibility matters. And who knows, if you're reading one, you might be reading one transcribed. By Diapers and Brews. You might be. Huh. Although, Diapers and Brews, you cannot transcribe this one because it's too weird to have to transcribe your own voice. <laughs> all, I'm, all I'm saying is that whoever gets on this one, their ass better get this one up soon. Because I'm going to be like, hey, we're not <laughs> Yeah, for real, <laughs> man. Where's the transcription help? Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, a huge thanks to you and, a, and a, a reminder to our friends who are listening worldwide that your happiness matters and you matter. And um, I hope that you can find whatever the right tools are to help you through this period of depression that you might be experiencing. It is normal. It is okay. And there is nothing wrong with you. It's just something that needs to get worked through. I am RY. And I am RNT. And this has been Love in Brief.